This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I want to look at a companion scripture to the one that was just read in the first chapter of the book of John, the first through the fifth verses. And the companion scripture reads as thus. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said. Then God said. Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Randall Wade Cunningham Sr. is an American football quarterback who played in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles. And later on, he had a stint with the Minnesota Vikings. He played for 16 seasons. Cunningham actually made the Pro Bowl four times, and he's the third all-time quarterback with rushing yards. He's also the second black male to serve as the franchise player for an NFL team, the first being Warren Moon. Some of you who are football fans know what I'm talking about. Now, to be clear, there were many black quarterbacks before Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham, but they were mostly backups, and they would only start a game when the white franchise quarterback got hurt. Mm-hmm. It's the only time you would see them when somebody got hurt. I think there's a word there. <laughs> now, I shared all this because franchise starting quarterbacks were not only predominantly white males, but they all played the game the same way well, well. until Randall Cunningham. Furthermore, NFL teams pay a lot of money to these quarterbacks and they can't afford for them to get hurt because that would cost them the entire season. So while they can't afford to lose an offensive or a defensive player or even a wide receiver, their starting quarterback is not prone to taking unnecessary risks until Randall 
Cunningham. Randall Cunningham would do something that no other quarterback before him would dare do. And instead of handing off the football to his running back or even throwing the football to his wide receiver, he would sometimes run the ball himself. This was highly ill-advised because he could get hurt very easily because I'll tell you the truth, those linebackers, when they see a quarterback, they also see a quarter pounder or cheese, if you understand what I'm saying. But in running the ball, teams had a hard time trying to determine if he was going to throw the ball, if he was going to hand off the ball, or if he was going to run it himself. And that caused great difficulty for teams that were trying to defend against him. Until Randall Cunningham, quarterbacks were generally predictable, and by running with the football himself, he changed the game. Yes, sir. Today, quarterbacks, even white ones, will take risks and run with the football themselves, for Randall Cunningham changed the game. All that said, and in the context of our scripture, I want to talk about the game of life and the challenges we face from day to day when we're met with various obstacles. And I will do this in a message that I've titled today, Our Game Changer. Our Game Changer. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for this time. We thank you, Father, for the privilege, Lord, to preach a message that will find its root in the hearts of its hearers. Bless now all that will be said. May they have understanding and clarity of your word as best as I can deliver. But it's not up to me. It's up to you. So do, Lord, what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our game changer. The sporting arena provides us with many examples of incredible athletes who have excelled in their sport in ways that might seem impossible to overcome. For sports lovers, you're familiar with people like Muhammad Ali, known as the greatest heavyweight boxing champion of all time. Michael Jordan, winning six NBA titles in basketball. Tom Brady, winning seven Super Bowl titles. Jack Nicholas, winning 18 golf majors. And oh, by the way, Tiger has 15. Margaret Court winning 24 tennis championships. And by the way, Serena has 23. And Usain Bolt holding both the 100 meter and the 200 meter world records in track and field athletics. Now, out of these competitors that I have named, only two of them stand out from the rest. And those two are Muhammad Ali and Usain Bolt. Before Muhammad Ali, Heavyweight boxers were slow, they moved slow, and they were fat. Muhammad Ali was different because with his bobbing and his weaving and his fancy footwork, he seemed to move like a middleweight as he floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee. Since then, boxers like Mike Tyson strived to be like him, and the sport was never the same again. Muhammad Ali changed the game. Traditionally, 100 meters and 200 meter sprinters were generally about five foot nine inches tall. Mm. Now in comes Usain Bolt at six feet 
five inches, who by all accounts should not be able to move as quickly as he does. So enigmatic is he that he's probably the most drug-tested athlete of all times because everyone is convinced he has to be taking drugs to do what he's doing. And not finding any drugs in his system, they test him with all kinds of of artificial intelligence machines trying to understand how his muscles are able to work the way they do. He is the most studied athlete of all time. Sprinters today try to be like him and the sport will never be the same again. Usain Bolt changed the game. Amen. But there are so many other athletes who have changed the game in their own way People such as Tiger Woods, who got fat white men to start working out just to play golf. Now, you watch the PGA Tour on TV, and the professionals, they're all young people now who look like they just left the gym. Am I telling the truth? Amen. Golf does not look the same anymore. Then you've got the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, who took tennis athleticism to a whole different level. And of course, Mary Lou Retton, and we pray for her today, who showed a perfection in gymnastics never before seen until now with Simone Biles. And how can we forget my favorite? Edson Arantes do Nascimento, Pele, who with his signature bicycle kick changed the beautiful game forever. The list goes on and on. Now, none of these people that I've talked about created or invented the game they played. They just came along and made it either more competitive, more intriguing, and definitely more exciting. To be honest, most people never even cared to watch golf until Tiger Woods picked up the club, Amen. myself included. But each of these people, through their own appreciation and understanding of the game, was able to assess it in a way that brought a new dynamism that enhanced the expected outcome. Like Randall Cunningham, they all faced a challenge and they took risks to make what they wanted to see happen, happen in their respective sports. And in so doing, they changed the game. In a very similar way, we see some folks in biblical history who in their own right also changed the game in their lives. We can think of people like Esther. The Hebrew girl who would become queen took a risk to enter the king's court uninvited, thereby saving the lives of our people. She changed the game. Yes, the woman with the issue of blood took a risk in her unclean state to touch a clean rabbi and it was immediately healed. She changed the game. And how about the centurion soldier who understanding the nature of authority and the boundaries between Jews and Gentiles impressed Jesus so much with his faith that the centurion soldier's servant was healed. He changed the game. But brothers and sisters, not everyone who changes the game changes it for the better. Well. Adam and Eve also changed the game. They changed the game when they went outside the boundaries of the established order and ate from the forbidden tree, thereby causing sin to enter into the world through their now new knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve changed the game, but not for the better. So devastating was their changing of the game that even today we're feeling the repercussions 
of that decision. By their changing the game, European colonization of the Americas from the 15th century claimed an estimated 100 million lives, including indigenous peoples, setting the stage for the African Holocaust with its estimated 15 million Africans who would die during the transatlantic slave trade in the 16th century, adding to the total of about 60 million black people dead at the hands of white Christian imperialism. By changing the game, Adam and Eve caused World War I, which claimed the lives of over 65 million people in 1914. By Adam and Eve changing the game, they, in 1933, caused six million Jewish people to die at the hands of Nazi Germany during the Jewish Holocaust. By changing the game, Adam and Eve caused World War II, which claimed the lives of over 72 million people in 1939, showing that we learned nothing from World War I because they changed the game. Adam and Eve caused an estimated 43 million people to die in the great Chinese famine in 1958. And now with Hamas launching a terrorist attack on Israel and Israel getting ready to decimate innocent Palestinian civilians in retaliation, we seem to be teetering on the brink of yet another world war. Indeed, Adam and Eve changed the game because as we know from biblical history, this was not the way that God had established the game. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, yeah. verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So from the beginning, God established the game of life, and he brought order to the chaos. From the beginning, God would create the heavens and the earth. He would create the lands and the plants. He would create the sun, the moon, and the stars. He would create the birds and the sea creatures. And he would create mankind and all of the animals. He would create all things to work together, not just for the good, but that he would look upon all of his created order and he would say, it is good. Amen. God who brought something into being, something original and new into being from out of nothing, produce things for the first time, for the first time, all of creation, everything would see his divine creativity and his divine imagination and it was very, very good. God made the game. And in his divine imagination and creativity, he made you and he made me. Both you and me were conceived in the mind of God. The same mind that created 
all that was good from the beginning. He made us all bursting with potential to reflect his divine goodness and to showcase his entire handiwork. For before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. Both you and me, we were created with divine potential. And whether you think it, feel it, believe it or not, you are not an accident and you are not a mistake. You didn't come because something decided to explode. Sure, there are days when you feel like you are worthless and have nothing to offer to yourself or to the world for that matter, but that is not true. Just because you may not know your full potential does not change the fact that you have potential. When God blew the breath of life into your nostrils and you became a living soul, that breath was not different from the same breath, the Ruach, the breath of God itself. It was the same breath that hovered over the waters in Genesis. It was the same breath that David did not want to be taken from him. It was the same breath that came like a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. It was the same breath that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same breath flows within you. So you are not a mistake. You are filled with all of the creative promises of God and you were made to play your game. But Adam and Eve changed the game. And you and me are having a hard time playing it. For as you play, your enemy is cheating. And as a result, you get called for multiple offsides. You get called for multiple turnovers. You get called for multiple penalties. You get called for multiple violations. And just now, you've just about run out of timeouts. And to make matters worse, you're tired and fatigued as you play. You are broken and defeated as you play. You are stressed out and you are exhausted as you play. Unless you think I'm talking about a game, I'm really talking about your lives right now. You see so much going on in the world around you. And is it any wonder that on most days you feel depressed, dejected, discouraged, despondent, displaced, disoriented, diseased, defeated, discounted, and depleted. And it's hard to know what to do next or even who to turn to and, and brothers and sisters to make it all plain if we are honest we are really we really feel like we're either losing or we have already lost the game of life and we see no way out and can't see our way to the finish line that's the truth of where many of us are today and no one seems to understand what we are going through but God understands God knows your struggles and your pain. God knows your aches and your broken hearts. God understands. He understands because he knows what it feels like to suffer. He knows the feelings of dejection, depression, discouragement, despondence, displacement, disorientation, and depletion. He understands it all. And because he understood it, he did something about it. Watch with me, brothers and sisters, as I show you the majestic love of God. Recall in our text in Genesis, which read, and I'll read it again, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. Stay with me, church. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said. The earth was formless and void. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said. Let there be light, 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 light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light, 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 light from the darkness. Notice in verse 3 it read, and I said it for emphasis, then God said. Did I say that? Then God said. Which simply means that God spoke. God saw the chaos. Then God spoke. God saw the chaos. And then God spoke. And after God spoke, he saw light and separated it from darkness. God saw chaos. He spoke. He saw light and separated it from the darkness. All because he was responding to chaos. <laughs> I don't think y'all get it yet. Let's go to the book of John. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Did you catch it? Recall that in Genesis, God saw chaos. He then spoke. Then there was light, and he saw the light, and he separated the light from the darkness. All of this happened in Genesis. But now John is reiterating what happened in Genesis because he says, in the beginning, that same beginning was the word. Yeah. And we know this is true because in Genesis, it clearly said that God spoke. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying God spoke. But John went on further to say that that spoken word from Genesis, was not only with God, but that word was also God. Meaning you can no more separate yourself from the words you speak. When I speak, my words are a direct reflection of me. And since God is not a man that he should lie, he is his word, and his word is him. And that same word was with him in the beginning. Now, without complicating this too much, John tells us that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
So John is making the point that this spoken word by God from the beginning was not only with God, but that it was also God and that nothing was made, no heaven, no earth, no land, no plants, no sun, no moon, no stars, no birds, no sea creatures, no animals, no man, no you was made. And that life was in that word. And that word was the light of men. And God saw the light. And because the chaos and the darkness could not comprehend it, God separated them. Wow. That spoken word from the beginning was always and has always been. But if that were all we needed to know, that would have been enough. But John tells us even more when we jump to verse 14. There we read, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word was made flesh. In other words, no pun intended, that same word from the beginning is Jesus. Jesus is the word from the beginning that was now made flesh and dwelt among us and in him was the life and the light of men. And by that word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, the game was changed. Jesus changed the game. By manifesting and coming to dwell among us, Jesus undid all that Adam and Eve did when they allowed Satan to try and cause us to forfeit God's divine game. But because Jesus was there in the beginning, when the game was designed, when the game was created, when the game was organized, he knew the rules because he created the rules. And so when he saw that you and I were losing the game. When Jesus saw that you and I were losing the game, he, he, he whispered, Coach, put me in. He said to God the Father, Coach, they're losing. Put me in the game. Put me in. Because, you see, God saw the chaos. He saw the chaos. God saw the dejection, the depression, the discouragement, the despondence, the displacement, the disorientation, and the depletion. God saw it, and God said, suit up. Suit up. <laughs> oh, this is sweet. Suit up. And when, and, and when God the Father put Jesus in the game, the opponent thought that he could use the same tactics and the same strategy that he was using on you and me to beat us up. So he mocked him. He betrayed him and he embarrassed him. Thinking he could use the same tactics. Then he accosted him and he accused him. He even spat on him. And if that weren't enough, they, then he indicted him. And he tried him and he judged him and he flogged him. And then he scourged him. Finally, they pierced him. He crucified him. They hung him. And when all was said and done, they buried him and then they sealed him. But unfortunately, 
they didn't know who he really was for he was from the beginning and <laughs> the enemy didn't know who Jesus really was he didn't know that Jesus was a game changer you see he didn't know that Jesus would run the football better than Randall Cunningham or any quarterback you see he didn't know that Jesus would float higher than any butterfly and sting hotter than Ali's bee they didn't know that Jesus had a more perfect landing than Mary Lou Rutten and Simone Biles they didn't know that he had a more solid bicycle kick than Pele they didn't know that he could hit farther and more accurate than Tiger Woods they didn't know that Jesus could dunk harder than Shaq that he could dunk harder than Shaq Michael Kobe Dr. J and LeBron all put together in one they didn't know he could run faster and more swifter than Usain Bolt and they didn't know that he would have more championships than Tom Brady they didn't know For three days later, when Jesus, with all of his in the beginning power, walked out of that borrowed tomb, he changed the game for all eternity. He changed the game for eternity past, eternity present, and eternity future. So no matter how you and I are playing the game today, no matter how you may be feeling today, no matter how many points your opponent has on the scoreboard, no matter how you may be feeling, God has put the ringer in the game and his name is Jesus and he is our game changer. He's our game changer. So for everyone who is playing the game of life, you are no stranger to the abuse and the accusations of the enemy of our souls. And in this game of life, right now, because of Adam and Eve, we're not set up to win. But God understands. And so he sent Jesus into our game. Yes, sir. For God so loved the world Thank you. that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have but have but have but have but have his name under jersey but have everlasting life Jesus changed the game of life. And as our game changer, he will change the game for you too. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. Amen.